Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, America. America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. Soccer new America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Person Noob. Yes, a crazy theme song sets up perfectly for my nine-year-old daughter, co-host, and I for what is to come. And that is a, a little bit of silliness thrown in with your great footy information. What is it exactly that we mainly do? Mini previews of the 10 most intriguing, important matches from around the world. But as we define them, which is usually a little bit different than anybody else, we'll cover the biggest of national team tournament matches, club tournament matches, and top league matches, but from anywhere and everywhere in the world. If it's important where it's being played, there's a pretty good chance we're covering it. Our name was Tend to Track, but now we lean just a little bit more American and CONCACAF in our coverage than we did in year one. Hence the new name that we put on a few weeks ago, Soccer New Rock in America. This week, we're going to be covering matches from Friday, October 22 through the 28th. Let's dive right in with... March number one! And we're going to do something a little bit different for this slot in that we'll use it to talk briefly about four different matches instead of just one. It's a way for me to cheat and get more than the usual uh, 10 matches in before we get to the bonus matches. This week... Globally, there are four FA Cup finals happening around the world. Now, for uh, fans who are newer to the game, kind of noob like me, FA Cups are bracketed knockout tournaments that are played at the same time but are of secondary importance to the league play going on in any given nation. They almost always include teams from beyond and sometimes even well beyond just the teams in the top or Premier League. Sometimes there's just a trophy at stake. Sometimes there's a berth in an international club tournament. So let's talk about each of the four that are going on. In chronological order, Friday, the Emir of Qatar Cup. Uh, this is one that has the most at stake in a way. The winner, at least if they do the same thing that they've done in years past, I couldn't quite find official confirmation of it in a brief look about is that the winner will get an AFC Champions League berth next year. So that's a pretty big deal. They do not have a secondary international club tournament in the way most of the other continents do. They have something else that we'll talk about another time. In any case, the two teams are both top flight teams. Uh, Al-Sad is taking on Al-Rayan, and Al-Sad is probably going to be your favorite. Then we have two that are in Europe over the weekend Saturday, the Lithuanian FA Cup final, where a second qualifying round State uh, birth is a stake in the Europa Conference League, which is the new tertiary international club tournament going on in Europe right now that if you've been listening, you've been hearing me talk about a lot. I think that it's great. The two teams that are going to be playing are uh, uh, Zalgaris, and they will be taking on Panavicius. 
And yes, I did have to practice my Lithuanian a whole bunch. I'm probably still only moderately close. Again, the winner is going to qualify for that berth. Now, Zalgiris is usually one of the two teams that's going to win the league. They will probably qualify for uh, something better than the ECL. And so this particular berth, should they win, will pass on to some other league team. I don't think uh, Panavicius will get it automatically. It usually drops to a, a team further down the standings in their league. But if they don't qualify, then great. Hey, a berth for them. Sunday, the Latvian FA Cup. A first qualifying round berth. It's not quite a strong league. In the Europa Conference League, it's a stake. RFS, easily your favorite. And they're going to be taking on a club called Liapaya. And then Thursday, no stakes for this one other than trophy. And I'm sure, uh, you know, lots of uh, uh, glory and uh, groupies, maybe, I don't know. But in Nicaragua, they have an FA Cup. And it's going to be taking place between probably heavy favorite Walter Ferretti. They're taking on a club that I'm barely familiar with, a name called Real Madrid. And that's why I'm sure Walter Ferretti is the heavy favorite there. Again, no international club tournament at stake with that one. But still, they like the nice shiny trophies there. Match number B. And so now back to our usual format of covering single matches per slot. Match number B. Yes, thank you very much, Person Noob, for reminding us that if you want to speak uncouthly, the way to do it is to use the phrase number two. However, if you would like to be welcomed into polite society, perhaps you might consider replacing that phrase in your life with number B. It's what the hip and cool kids are doing, or at least what we're trying to get them to do. In any case, the match, this gets weird, is uh, right here stateside. We do, in fact, rock America per our show name occasionally, and uh, we're coming to uh, Major League Soccer. There are just going to be four matches left in the season, and we've got a big one out west. Number one in the Western Conference, Seattle Sounders taking on number B in the west, Sporting Kansas City. Here's how the table looks. Seattle at 58. SKC, that's Sporting Kansas City at 52, and then Colorado Rapids also have 52. Those are really the only three in play for the title. Colorado is third because they have uh, eight worse on overall goal differential compared to Kansas City. As far as the overall series, or at least of late, Seattle has a lead with nine wins and four draws in 20 matches. This year, the road teams have had the best of it. This is going to be the third time these two have played. Seattle won at Kansas City 1-2. to two. And then SKC returned to the favor and won one to three in Seattle. You can catch this one on Univision or TUDN, which I believe used to be Univision Sports. So only to my knowledge, easy to find Spanish language broadcasts. Nevertheless, you can watch at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. By the way, a quick reminder, I know I've been saying it a lot, but for first-time listeners and people who are newer, uh, in each of the Eastern and Western Conferences, the top seven teams at the end of the regular season will make the playoffs. The top two teams in each conference will get to advance straight to the semifinals. So Seattle, it is looking like, is going to be able to snag one of those two spots. Uh, really, this is most important for Kansas City trying to hold off Colorado and getting to skip around in the playoffs. Let's talk about Seattle first. Twice historically, they have won the league title, 2016, and then more recently in 2019. 2014, they won what is called the Supporters' Shield. They did not win the playoff title, but they did have the best overall regular season record in either conference. 2012, the CONCACAF Champions League, they've made the semifinals. That's their best, best international finish ever. In the 2020 version, uh, most recently, they made the round of 16. 
Last year in league play, they finished uh, in second place in the West, and they were the runner-ups in the playoffs. So close, and yet so far. They have already officially qualified for the playoffs this year, no matter what happens. Uh, statistically, very good and very well balanced. Second best offense in the conference going and the number one defense. They allow less than one goal per match on average. Second highest overall league leading scorer is theirs. We've talked about him many times before. Raul Rui Diaz, their uh, Peruvian veteran for it. He is one of what they call their designated players. I believe each major league soccer team can have up to three guys that they don't have to follow the rules for what they're paying them or at the very least, the maximum is much, much <clears throat> excuse me, much, much different to the point that it almost doesn't matter compared to everybody else on the team. So that's where they try to get maybe uh, aging uh, South American or European stars or really, really good young and up-and-coming players that can take advantage of a season or two and then maybe even sell on. So in any case, suffice it to say, he is paid like he is one of their best, and in fact, he is. Another one of those is their man on the assist leaderboard for the league, Joao Paulo. He is a Brazilian midfielder for them. We talk a lot about goalkeepers on this show because it's easiest to find the stats for them, but their best defender is probably not their goalkeeper, at least of late it's Xavier Arreaga. He is an Ecuadorian center back, so he plays right in front of the goalie, more or less. He spent uh, most of his career up until about 2019 when he came here with Barcelona SC, not to be confused with Barcelona over in La Liga in Spain. That's in his home country of Ecuador. He's a pretty good tackler, but for a guy who should be defensively oriented, he is a great passer and he's great at dribbling in open space, so a real luxury to have. And then finally, the hottest player they have going of late is Jimmy Madronda. He is a Colombian left midfielder who spent actually five years in Kansas City, but he only had five goals in 100 appearances. Apparently, that's just not what they were asking for him, or he's finally figured out how to do it because this year he's already got four goals and three assists on the season. And he's also somewhat defensively oriented more often than not, and statistically, he is a very very superb tackler. As far as the team's current form, they had won four straight before a 2-1 to one loss at Houston in their last match. And I say last match at the time that I scouted the matches. By the time you hear this, they may have played one more match in between. That's a caveat for the whole show, by the way. And they are 5-0-1 in their last six home matches. Now, coming to town and trying to get on top of the West, SKC, the Wizards of Kansas City. They've won the MLS title twice, 2000, and then again in 2013. They also won that Supporter Shield in 2000. 2019, they went to the CONCACAF Champions League, made the semifinals. That's tied for the best that they've ever done internationally. Last year, they won the conference, uh, the Western Conference, but then in the playoffs, they only got as far as the conference semifinals. This year, defense is top three, but the offense is number one. They are the only team in the entire conference to have scored more than 50 goals on the season. Tied for second best overall in all of MLS in scoring is their Hungarian attacker, Daniel Saloy. He has spent almost his entire career here in the U.S. and specifically with Kansas City. But red hot for them of late has been Johnny Russell, their Scottish right winger. He has scored four times in their last three matches. Uh, English fans will know him. He spent five years with the, uh, right now in very big trouble financially, Derby County team uh, before he came over here in 2018. As far as this team's current form, they are 2-1 in their last three, and they just lost 
at Vancouver, one to two. Uh, they've outscored their opponents eight to five in those last three. That's a pretty good record, but my thoughts on this, based on how they've been doing at home and the fact that it is at home, is I think the smart money here would be on the Sounders to get a win, and that would pretty much wrap up the Western title for them. Match number three. This is a Saturday match, and we are off to Africa for their Champions League qualifying round. It's very nearly done. This is the second qualifying round, like number two, which means it is the second match of a two-legged tie, home and away between each pair of teams. The winners at this point get to go straight into the next Champions League proper, where they'll all enter the group stage, the teams that are still remaining. The matchup we've picked is because of the uh, epic upset it would be if the home team today didn't end up getting into the Champions League. Al Ali out of Egypt, the greatest team of the 20th century and probably still one of the greatest ones in all of Africa, taking on USGN out of Niger, or Niger if you prefer the French. Uh, the first leg went uh, to a 1-1 draw, which that's really what you're looking for on paper. When you go on the road, you want to get a draw, but I'm sure Al Ali might be sweating this one a little bit. All the pressure is going to be on them, greatest club on the continent, and here they are losing to this team. You'll find out the degree of what upset this would be when we start talking about USGM, but I traditionally start with the home team. Let's talk about Al-Ali. They're known as the Red Devils or Red Giant or Red Castle, but always red is the key. They have 10 Champions League titles to their credit, and they are the two-time defending champions. The Egyptian Premier League is the second most highly ranked league on the continent, and they are the number one club ranked on the continent. They qualified by finishing in second place act last year. They actually lost out on the title to uh, another very good club called uh, Zamalek. Uh, all they had the number one offense going, scoring over twice per match. And the second best defense, they were one of two teams that were allowing fewer than uh, one goal per match on average. Key players to look for, tied for number one in league scoring for them, was Mohamed Sharif, striker, 25 years old. It had been looking like he might move on before uh, the soon-to-be-starting Egyptian season got underway. Turkish top-flight club Galatasaray was very interested in him, as was Celtic, which might be a name that's a little bit more familiar to us in the U.S. because that's one of the two big clubs over in Scotland along with Rangers. But he's chosen to extend his contract here. They've also had uh, the number one league assist man in Ali Malul, a Tunisian left back, so a box-to-box player who likes to get in on the offense. He's got 68 national team appearances for Tunisia, by the way, and that's another one of the uh, all the best teams for the most part are in the northern part of the continent. And they have the number one statistical league goalkeeper going in Mohamed El Shanawi. And now the club that we're all less familiar with, I'm sure, USGN, Union Sportive de la Gendarmerie Nationale. And I'm sure I'm butchering my French, but the more important thing to know is this is the national police team. They play out of the capital city of Niamey, as do the vast majority of the teams there in Niger. Uh, the club was founded in 1996. As far as where the club is ranked in the country, or not the club, but the league, uh, the Premier League there is not ranked. They've got about the same number of leagues, uh, country members, as Europe does, 54 or 55. But for some reason, the CAF, the African Federation, only ranks the top 32. They don't bother with anybody below that. And Niger 
eight there. The club is definitely not in the top 75. That's all they rank, I believe, at the CAF as well. Nevertheless, they were your 2020-21 Premier League champions in their country. They won the league by five points over uh, Nijelec, which I'm assuming is a national utility company, Electricity. And they did it by playing uh, one less game than most of the other teams. I think once the title was wrapped up because of COVID, they just said they didn't have to play the last one. They played 21 instead of 22 matches. They had the number one offense going, scoring exactly one and a half goals per match, second best defense, number one overall goal differential, very dominant, and they won the nation's FA Cup. But what makes this particular uh, particularly interesting is that these are the first two titles in this club's entire, what, 25-year history. Uh, they've been, that said, they've been to the last two Confederation Cups. They, they've done well enough in various competitions that they've gotten to go to Africa's version of the Europa League, the secondary international club tournament, but they've never played, uh, made it past the first round. So you can see now more clearly what sort of epic upset this would be if they were actually to pull off the win on the road and get to advance over all Ailey into the Champions League proper. Match number four. Ooh, now who, pray tell, is the owner of that sweet bass voice that we just heard co-introduce the match along with daughter Persanoob? The answer coming after we talk a little bit about some of the particulars for this match. It's another Saturday match, and it comes to us from South America. Yeah, we're jetting around the globe. Uh, from Chile, the Primera División top flight there. This is uh, considered at least by Kick Algorithms, which is a uh, website I really know and trust, is uh, the number seven league in all of combo ball out of the 10 countries there. So not one of the strongest ones. Nevertheless, if it's important where it's being played, it's important to us. Now out of this league, the top three teams are going to qualify for the Copa Libertadores. That's the South American Champions League. The next four at the table will qualify for their secondary international club tournament called the Copa Sudamericana. They're playing a double round Robin for the year. There are seven matches left, and it is a big one. Number one in the standings, Colo Colo taking on number B, Universidad de Católica. Now, Colo Colo currently leading the table by two, and somehow where they are in the standings, that is good enough that they have already a fit, they can't finish any lower than fourth. They are already guaranteed a Champions League spot. Now, Universidad de Católica, they lead two of their clubs by eight. So they're almost certainly going to be in there as well, but I'm sure that they would love to win the league title, of course. Now, who did that sweet bass voice belong to earlier? Why, Noob Stradamus, our in-house prognosticator, he who is 3,500 years old, full of wisdom, and able to touch the universal infinite. And we take advantage of that facet of his and try to win money on soccer matches because why wouldn't we now i'm sure he's going to have a vision for us about what the result here will be take it away oh mighty soothsayer greetings from the merciless thracian plains of greece having consumed some of my usual loose prescription pills my mind spins and i travel through space and time Whee. It is as I knew it would be. I am in Chile, some centuries back. Sitting across from me is Calfure, with violets in her hair. She is a machi. I suppose you might use the word shaman, though it is women with these people. 
We're in a clearing of canelo trees, the holiest of nature in the religion of her indigenous Mapuche. Noob, this is like being in the Notre Dame. She explained to me that one of my greatest duties would be to acquire ultimate knowledge in all its forms. Creativity, imagination, intuition, and comprehension. With no ego, I told her that I had already achieved these forms. She nodded knowingly, but sadly. I asked her why. In her belief system, the knowledge leads to understanding one's purpose. For me, that should in death one day to become Pion, an ancestral spirit. But for this to be, one must be remembered for many years, specifically by grandchildren. She knew I had none as my life purpose had taken me in other directions. To her, I had not lived up to my primary duty as described in the Admapu, her people's collective traditions. To her, I would never own my filu, my destiny. I rise to shout her down. I am in control, but clearly I am not. For the vision fades. Noob, her sadness rests on my soul. But at least I have divined the soccer score you seek. Four forms of knowledge. The importance of being remembered by the second generation after you. Colo Colo will defeat Universidad Catolica four to two. I have seen and I have spoken. Match number five. Well, that was rich and inviting, and maybe only a little bit odd. Anna's sort of nice that, like with so many of his visions, we learned something about the world through the lens of soccer or using the excuse of looking at soccer to learn about the world, part of what we do here, learning something about the indigenous people's uh, religion and worldview over there. By the way, if I misspoke, I apologize. That is actually not a Saturday match. That is a Sunday match, as is our fifth match of the podcast, or at least the one occupying slot number five. I know we had four for that first one. In any case, back to Asia, Japan, their top flight, the J1 League, where there are just six matches left in the season. The top three clubs in the standings are going to go to next year's Champions League. Your matchup is very important for who's going to get that last one in all likelihood. Number four, Nagoya Grampus, a team, I think this is the third episode in a row we've had reason to talk about them, versus number three, Vissel Kobe. Now, Kobe currently lead them, uh, lead uh, Nagoya by three in the table, but as far as the overall series in recent years, Nagoya have absolutely owned them with a 14-1 and six record. The same has been true this year. Uh, Nagoya beat them at Kobe in a league play, no one earlier this season. And they also played in the nation's FA Cup. And Nagoya won that either at home or at a neutral site, one to nil. In any case, let's talk a little bit one more time about Nagoya. The Grampus refers to a Rizos dolphin. This is a south-central port city in the country, metro area of about 10 million. That's the third biggest metro in the country, really big area for uh, particularly transport-related industry, uh, automotive and aviation both. 
As far as the field, internationally, three Champions League appearances they've made before this year, the one they're currently playing. Uh, the best they've ever done was the semifinals in 2009. They've only ever won the league title once. That was just over a decade ago, 2010. Last year, they finished in third place. This year, the statistics are really sort of weird. They've only got the 12th best offense, well below average. Second best defense, they only allow on average uh, one goal, uh, three a goal three out of every four games, but there must be a lot of uh, uh, tightness or compression when it comes to the offensive stats in this league because overall this puts them at number four for goal differential. Their best all-around rated player, in fact, is on offense, the singularly named Brazilian uh, Mateus. He is a right winger with seven goals and an assist. As far as the team's current form, they are only 1-0-3 in their last three. But it's sort of interesting. I'm not sure how telling it is. They just lost to the Champions League. That happens. And they lost a road match in the League Cup. That's a tournament of... Uh, of tertiary importance in the country. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't play any of their starters because they want to save them for the Champions League and for league play. Uh, as far as league play, they are 1-1-1 and in their last three league matches, and they had won six straight at home before that Champions League loss. Now, coming to town and looking to hold on to that third and final Champions League berth slot is Kobe. Uh, Vissel is kind of interesting. You run into this a lot with club names in Japan. It's a portmanteau. It stands uh, in part for victory and uh, vessel because this is a very important uh, port city, so they wanted to get something ship-oriented in there. This is the number seven size city in the nation, about one and a half million, but it's part of a much larger metro area. Uh, when you think about Kyoto and Osaka, you can think about Kobe right along with them. It's in the southern part of the country. Now, I learned a new phrase about Kobe, uh, something they say there, if you can't go to Paris go to Kobe. They consider themselves easily the fashion capital of Japan and like to think of themselves as the second most important fashion city in the world, apparently. I think some of the Italian cities might have something to say about that. But in any case, it's kind of a cool phrase. And yet it's a little bit at odds for whatever it's worth with the team mascot, unless you find suede still really, really fashionable because Visel Kobe are known as the Ushi or cows. There you go. As far as the footy, I think, and I, I have a feeling I misread something in this, but I'm not sure. In 2016, the source I found says that their best finish was number seven in the league, that they've never done better than that. 2020, however, they did go to the Champions League. I suppose you could do that by winning the uh, FA Cup in all likelihood, and they made the semifinal. Last year, they only finished in 14th place in the league. This year, they're very well balanced. Uh, top four offense and defense, good for third best overall goal differential. I think Kobe has it in him to overtake Nagoya Grampus just because Grampus is having to play so many games lately, especially with the Champions League. Uh, now, this team gets supposed to having the number three league-leading score, or used to, in Kyogo Furuhashi, but despite the fact that they're in the Champions League mix, uh, they let him go. I don't know if it was a free transfer or how much money they got out of it, but he is now with the aforementioned Scottish club Celtic. He went over there in July. So, who have they been relying on for their offense? Well, strangely enough... A center back of theirs is their best all-around rated player who should be uh, heavily oriented on defense, yet he's got five goals on the air. Ryuho Kikuchi. So look for a big, strong guy in the middle who's just also still happens to be a gifted uh, dribbler, 
passer and still an okay tackler, which you would have to be uh, to be a center back. The team's current form, they are four and one in their last five. They have one, two straight. They've been uh, okay on the road, one, one, and one in their last three. I think it's important to note that that road loss was to uh, the team that's more or less been running away with the league. They lost at Kawasaki Frontale, which, if memory serves, was like just an 0-1 loss. So they are my pick to go here on the road and get a minor upset. Kitty's taking control or something like that. In any case, the sounder from person new means it's time for us to take a break from the tracking that we are doing of the upcoming week's matches and take a look back at last week's matches. Let's do a recap. Match number one was a Saturday match from the English FA Cup. They were the fourth qualifying round, AFC Sudbury, from the eighth level that we said had the best chance to perhaps advance. They were taking on Dartford from the sixth pyramid level in English football. And in fact, Sudbury did win 3-1. to one. They were down nil one at halftime. They got all their goals in the second half. Match number B was the Icelandic FA Cup final. IA Oxenis taking on Vikinger Reykjavik. And it was the favorites. Vikinger winning nil three in a row. Match number three was the SAFF. That's the South Asian football final. India took on Nepal. And the favorites from India won three to nil. Sunday, match number four from Major League Soccer. Number nine, New York Red Bulls took on number six, NYCFC in the Hudson River Derby. And it was the Red Bulls coming out on top one nil that moved them up to number eight in the table. And uh, NYCFC dropped all the way down to number nine. Things are really tight in the Eastern Conference table for that last playoff spot. Match number five from the NWS the American top flight for the women. Number four, Houston Dash took on number one, Portland Thorns, and the result was a nil one Portland win. Lindsay Horan had a goal. We uh, predicted that she would uh, be key, even though she's not one of their statistical leaders, and in fact she was. That also happens to knock Houston all the way down to sixth place, which is the last playoff spot in the NWSL out of their 10 teams. Match number six from Germany's Bundesliga, number B, Bayer Leverkusen taking on number one, Bayern Munich. And Munich, they ran roughshod all over them, winning one to five. Uh, All-timer in the world, uh, Lewandowski, he had a brace of goals. Uh, Serge Nabry, I want to say he had a brace of assists. Thomas Mueller had a goal and an assist. That puts uh, Leverkusen down to number three. And by the way, possible man of the match candidate, we said Leverkusen was going to be successful, did get their only goal, Patrick Schick. And he was assisted by another man we said to look out for, Florian Wurtz. So their stars were doing what they uh, needed to do, just not enough of it. Match number seven from the Asian Champions League quarterfinals. Pohang Steelers took on Nagoya Grampus, and the result was Pohang Steelers winning 3-0. Not the way the new called it. Uh, Lim Sang-Hube had a brace of goals, even though we kind of pointed him out as the team's leading assist man. Tuesday, match number eight from the UEFA Champions League, where they're in the group, group stage. Number B, Club Bruggy out of the Netherlands took on number three, Manchester City, and it was Man City in a row winning 1-5. Uh, they switched positions in their group table of four. Wednesday, match number nine from Major League Soccer. Number three from the West, Colorado Rapids took on number one from the West, Seattle Sounders. Rapids? Rapids. I can almost speak English. In any case, it was a 1-1 draw. I can say that. Uh, Jack Price had an assist, just as we predicted for Colorado. Uh, no change for these two teams in their 
table positions. Match number 10, sort of, was from Colombia's Categoria Primera A. We basically use this as a chance to say, we don't do Super Leagues. We won't cover Super Leagues. Never, ever. We don't care. I didn't tell you. You played in it, and I'm not giving you a score. And then the bonus matches, with explanations coming later. Route of the week was a Sunday match from Malta's Premier League. Number 12, Sliema Wanderers took on number B, Hibernians, and the favorites won nil three. A player named Jurgen De Gabriele had a brace. Uh, the most meaningless match in the world also came from Malta's Premier League. It was a Saturday affair. Number seven, Hamrun Stapartens taking on number six, Gazira United, and the result was Gazira winning nil one. That moved them up to fourth place, and Hibernians all the way down to number eight. They finished first place in the league last year. And then finally, your match of disappointed, a Saturday match, our second visit to Germany's Bundesliga. Number 18, Gruther Firth took on number 17, Bochum, and it was Bochum coming out on top nil one, and that actually moved them all the way up to 15th place. That concludes your recap from last week's episodes. Now let's dive right back into the current week's match tracking with match number six. All right, new bites. You get Monday and Tuesday off. We skip all the way ahead to Wednesday on the calendar for our sixth match. And we are going to Canada's FA Cup, as they call it, the Canadian Championship. But it's not their final yet. They've got just a little bit to go. It's the semifinals there. And the match we're going to look at involves a Forge FC out of the Canadian Premier League, a fairly new league, versus Club de Foot Montreal, which up until this year you would have known as Montreal Impact. Match is going to be played in Hamilton, making it a home match for Forge FC. The winner is going to take on uh, Toronto out of Major League Soccer or Pacific FC out of Western Canada in the Canadian Premier League. The champion of this event gets to go to the CONCACAF League, which I always remind you is not the CONCACAF Champions League. The top six from the CONCACAF League get to move on to the CONCACAF Champions League. So let's talk about the home team a little bit first. Your underdog, Forge FC, known as the Hammers, founded just four years ago. And yet in 2020, they were both the league regular season and playoff winners. And in 20, uh, 2019, they won the first uh, ever uh, CPL and were the first team to ever go to the CONCACAF League. They made the round of 16 last time. Uh, they're in the current one right now. And last I had looked, they were uh, they had played the first match of a two-legged tie. They had lost the first round 3-1 to one to Costa Rica's uh, Santos de Guapilis in the quarterfinals. Last round for this event, they beat uh, their fellow league mates, uh, Valor FC. Uh, they haven't had to face an MLS team yet, so this is going to be easily their toughest task, even at home. In league play, they are currently number three, but it's probably still the best team in the league. They have uh, two matches in hand. No, excuse me, three matches in hand against the two clubs ahead of them. Statistically excellent for their level. Uh, top two offense, number one on defense. They're the only club in the league that's allowing less than one goal per match. And that ties them from number one right now on goal differential. Number six league leading scorer is theirs, Molham Babuli. He is a forward uh, born in the United Arab Emirates, but he reps for Canada, and he did so with the U23 team. I don't think he's ever done any uh, official training or appearances, at the very least, with the main uh, senior Canadian men's national team. He did play for Toronto FC in 2016-17, so some MLS experience. He made 16 appearances for them. And then tied for number one in goalkeeping, uh, Canadian product Tristan 
Henry. He played his college ball in the U.S. at uh, UConn and then at the smaller school Quinnipiac there in the Northeast. This is actually his first professional team contract, even though he's 28 years old. And now coming to town and looking to advance, and it's important for these guys uh, from Canada to advance to the CONCACAF League, even if they're in Major League Soccer, because the Canadian teams in MLS, no matter how well they do, cannot advance to the CONCACAF Champions League via that route. They have to get there through the Canadian Championship. Montreal, last year they finished in ninth place uh, in the Eastern Conference, which was good enough to make the play-in round of the playoffs. They had expanded things a little bit, and then they lost very early. Uh, currently, they are number eight in the East. They're tied with a couple other teams on goal differential, so they're right in the thick of it for one of those very last Eastern Conference playoff spots. Key player to look for, I believe, will be a top 10 man on League of Six, Jefferson Soteldo. He's a Venezuelan winger who spent two previous seasons before coming here with a pretty good club from uh, Brazil's top flight, the Serie A there, Santos. He's made 23 national team appearances for his country since 2016, and he's easy to pick out on the field. If you can spot him, he's only five foot two, but he is absolutely an energy guy. He'll be the little fella just running all over the place, and he isn't afraid to challenge anyone when he's got the ball. Also, number two in league assists is uh, Georgia Mihalovic. He's a central attacking midfielder, 22 years old, uh, USA, and uh, reps for us. I don't think he's done any work with the national team yet, though. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-3-0 and, oh, and have earned draws in each of their last three matches. Match number seven. Lucky number seven match keeps us right here in our own region. We're headed to Central America, specifically Honduras. The Liga Nacional is the top flight there, and they are in their Apertura stage. Just a quick reminder for newer fans, in most Spanish-speaking countries, the soccer year, even if it doesn't follow a calendar year, is broken up into two separate stages, the Apertura or opening stage and the uh, basically a separate season, the Clausura or closing stage. They're in the Apertura here. This is probably the fourth best CONCACAF league. That's, again, per kick algorithms that I mentioned earlier. Uh, they're uh, really starting to get a lot better, probably almost on par with Costa Rica. Now, as far as who gets international tournament berths, the winner of the Apertura and the winner of the Clausura will each get to go, and then the best, uh, the team with the best overall or aggregate record that didn't win a championship will also get to go. This matchup is a big one. Number one, CD Vida taking on number B, CD Motagua. Vida currently lead Motagua by three in the table. Motagua in turn lead Real España by just one. And as far as the series, you can tell who the historical power is. Motagua have a 26-12-8 and eight record against Vida. Motagua also beat this team earlier this season at home 2-1. to one. Let's talk about the home side first. Vida, they are known as the Coconuts. I'm not sure the nature of the relationship, but they are affiliated to Atletico Madrid. Uh, they are playing in the city of La Ceiba, C-E-I-B-A. I think I might be pronouncing that right. It's in the north central part of the country, capital of the province or state of Atlantida, about 200,000 in the city. It's the fourth biggest. Uh, by the way, the Ceiba is a tree, 
And uh, it's called that, uh, or it's not the reason it's called that, but it goes hand in hand with this. Uh, this city considers itself economically the ecotourism capital of the country. Uh, historically, it's been built around really, really strong agriculture. In fact, specifically bananas when the town was first being built up. But now, despite the fact that the club name is Coconuts, it's actually most known for its pineapple production. But Dole Company is ubiquitous down there. So if you're eating pineapples from Dole, pretty good chance they're coming from this particular town. As far as the footy, last year they finished number six in the overall aggregate table. Table. They've won the country's... Uh, top league title twice, but not since the 1980s, and they haven't made any international appearances since then either. and didn't make any noise when they were going to those. Uh, this year, very balanced, very good. Number three offense, top three defense as well. Second best overall goal differential. Number one league leading scorer is theirs, Angel Gabriel, 30-year-old attacker. He spent his entire career here, except for one season that he was with a team over in Costa Rica. As far as the team's current form, they are 4-1-0 in their last five, and they're getting all these results in low-scoring affairs. So despite Angel Gabriel, it's uh, the defense that has really been keeping them going. And now Matagua, your historical powerhouse. They were known as the Eagles or the Blue Cyclone, and the nickname I just love. One of two clubs that play in the capital city of Tegucigalpa. They have 17 league titles historically, which is good for second best in the nation's history. Last time they won one was the 2018-2019 Clausura stage. CONCACAF League, they were the runners-up in both 2018 and 19. Currently, they are in the CONCACAF League quarterfinals and up 2-0 on their league mates. Uh, the other team that's pretty much just as good as them historically, uh, Marathon. Last year, they finished as the second-best team overall in the aggregate table in the country. Uh, tied for number one on offense this year, scoring over twice per game, top four defense as well. Good for the overall number one goal differential. I think Matagua will come back to win this. CD Vita just isn't a known quantity for me. Uh, tied for number four in league scoring, a man that's there is Kevin uh, Yasue. He's a 25-year-old midfielder. He has spent his entire career here. And interestingly, he got his first pro contract back in 2013 when I think he was only like uh, 16 years old maybe. Match number eight. We stay on Wednesday on the calendar, and we're going to cover our second MLS match, sort of. We tried to do two per show now that we are no longer just the 10 to track and are, in fact, Soccer New Rock in America featuring Person New. I've been failing to put that in the title occasionally. In any case, the matchup that we're looking at, it's one of these uh, interconference ones. Number one in the East, New England Revolutions taking on number three in the West, Colorado Rapids. We mentioned them a little bit earlier with the other Western MLS match. You can catch this one at 7 o'clock in the evening Eastern time on ESPN Plus online. In the recent series, New England have had the best of it with a 6-2-3 and three record. And uh, congratulations, New England. They have already won the Supporters' Shield this year. In fact, uh, it's looking mathematically like they're also going to break the record. I believe they get need to get to 73 points to have the all-time most points in Major League Soccer regular season history. Colorado, as we mentioned earlier, but I'll say it again, trail number B, uh, Kansas City by three points in the table. And because it's match number eight, that's all you get to hear about this particular one. We are now going to rock with a food recipe. Once every show, we like to use an opportunity to learn something food-oriented from the region, country, or area where the match is being played. 
Now, I'm a breakfast guy. Just call me Ron Swanson, I guess. Good Parks and Rec reference. Like me my breakfast food, but I'll be honest, hashes have never really been my thing. So when I found a recipe for one that was different than what I used to, I thought this will be one worth exploring, looking at, and potentially trying out. I like corned beef on a sandwich. I do not like anything with bits. Bacon bits in a salad, minced pepperoni on a pizza. Don't like bits. Don't care for the texture. Nevertheless, this is a hash I think I could do well with. And one that is popular to New England and this area where they play is called red flannel hash and with eggs is the one that I found. Now, a lot of red, your basic red flannel hash usually gets rid of the potatoes and replaces them with a different vegetable, which I'll tell you about soon. This particular recipe happens to keep both the potatoes and this other mystery vegetable in there. I'm going to leave it a mystery to keep you interested because it's a weird one I would normally associate with breakfast food and don't normally uh, eat in general, to be perfectly honest. But I would try it with this, red flannel hash with eggs. Here's what you're going to need. Uh, a pound of Yukon gold potatoes, ideally, a pound of sweet potatoes, uh, a pound of red beets, could need some uh, extra virgin olive oil, ideally, for the skillet. Uh, Medium-sized onion, unsalted butter. You're going to need that for the toast and for some of the cooking. This goes well with rye bread toast, I'm told, traditionally. Uh, some uh, minced cloves of garlic, salt, and freshly ground pepper. And, of course, some eggs. This particular uh, recipe happens to serve six, so it says six eggs. Uh, a couple of cups of julienne or coarsely grated carrots and then some parsley leaves and some fresh dill. Those last three, you're not actually going to cook. I'll just say right now, you set those to the side and you can sprinkle those uncooked on your hash if you like it that way. And also have some cider vinegar on hand. Now, uh, this is a dish that cooks at about 400 degrees. That's what you're going to preheat the oven to. And while that's going, you're going to steam your potatoes and beets, both kinds of potatoes, in fact, all in a steamer basket that you set over a pot of simmering water. Uh, should only take no more than 15 minutes before you can drain it. Then your second step, you get out your uh, oven-proof skillet, medium-high, swirl in your oil, and then just the onions for the vegetables. Again, all those other ones you're not going to cook that we mentioned toward the tail end. And you're going to stir this for just a couple of minutes until you get a translucent mixture. Stir in your butter, and then your garlic, uh, your potatoes that you've minced up, your beets, until uh, everything is evenly coated, seasoned with salt and pepper. And then this starts to get key for making this a hash. You want to mash some of those potatoes. I would use the sweet potatoes against the side of the, of the hot pan, right there while it's cooking with the back of a big spoon. And then you stir in the pastrami, that I think I mentioned, unless I mixed that, unless I skipped that before, this recipe doesn't use corned beef halfish. It uses pastrami, and instead of making bits out of it, you just kind of tear it up into bite-sized pieces, which texturally is uh, more in my wheelhouse. So you get all that going and press the mixture all into the bottom of the skillet. Make a floor out of it, basically. Now you're ready to transfer it to the oven. You roast it for about 20, maybe 25 minutes until just some of the very top pieces are starting to get crisp. Then you pull it partway out. And you take that big spoon that you had earlier and you mash it down in six spots. You make some wells, which you're going to crack an egg into each of these. Then you're going to put it back in the oven, but you're almost done. You're not even going to leave it in 10 minutes, probably, because you only want to cook it now 
until the whites of the eggs are just barely starting to set. This recipe traditionally, it's usually not my favorite, but is a runny yolk recipe. So you do that for six or eight minutes, and now you can pull it out and you're done. And again, you can serve it with that salad, or you can put the salad right on top of it, and you've got your rye toast and butter, and you have a fabulous breakfast dish to start your day before you watch a match with the New England Revolution. Match number nine. One more Wednesday match to go, and it is going to be a fun and unusual one, perhaps, we're covering here, or at least the way we're going to do it. We're off to Sweden. Their top flight is the Allsvenskan Liga. It's ranked number 23 in UEFA, which is just a little bit above average overall, but I believe that makes it the second best of the summer leagues, just a couple of slots behind Norway. And by summer leagues, of course, you could probably figure it out, but from the climate, the Northern European leagues have to start their seasons substantially sooner than everybody else. So they're getting to the end of this league season. Only, I believe, six matches left. The winner will go to the Champions League first qualifying round. Second and third place will go to the uh, Europa Conference League, and they'll actually get to start a uh, round up in the second qualifying round. Your matchup is number B, Malmo, versus number three, AIK. Normally, we like to stick with one versus two as we look around the world. Well, when I scouted this, you want to talk about a league race worth watching. Uh, A few days ago, there were three teams. Uh, Jurgardens was the other one. Uh, they were in a three-way tie on points in the table, only separated by goal differential. Jurgardens have now played a match since then, and so they lead by three. So at the time that I did this, person who covered your ears, when I first scouted this, uh, there was a three-way tie. And if you think that Noob was going to skip out on a Swedish three-way, you don't know Noob yet. Wow. Okay, normally don't run blue, but had to be said. As far as the series between these two teams, uh, Malmo have a commanding uh, lead in recent years with a 9-11-4 record. They only managed to earn a home draw, though, earlier this season in league play 1-1. to uh, You can actually catch this one online. I intend to on ESPN+. Plus. 1 o'clock Eastern time. Let's talk about Malmo first. Uh, the town is the same name or city, I should say, because it has 700,000 people. Third biggest in the country. Over half of them are foreigners, uh, which is sort of interesting, but they're only a bridge away from uh, Denmark, continental Europe. So in a way, you can sort of expect that. This is the number 57 ranked club in all of UEFA. Give some perspective uh, for Euro fans. That puts them right between uh, Hoffenheim of the Bundesliga and Rhein of uh, French's uh, Ligue 1 or Ligue 1. <laughs> I don't know which way I like saying it better. In any case, domestically, this is your powerhouse. They've got the most league titles in national history at 21. They are the defending champs. Internationally, you've got to go away, got to go a ways back to find their best success. 1978-79, they made what is now called the Champions League. It wasn't then final, and they lost to Nottingham Forest. Yes, of the English Championship, the second uh, tier of the English pyramid. That team was one of the powers in Europe at the time. Uh, currently, Malmo is in the group stage of the Champions League, but they've lost all three of their matches, and I don't think they've scored a goal. That said, this is the farthest they've made it in the CL in the 2000s. And uh, just to give them a little more credit, they have made two fairly recent Europa League round of 32s. This year in league play, they've got the best offense going, scoring over twice per match on average, top three defense, number one overall goal differential. This is my pick to win the league. Uh, Second best league scorer is theirs, Antonio 
and I have forgotten my Croatian diacritical marks. I can't believe it. That C's got a funny mark over it. So I know it's Solek or Cholek, but I just don't remember. In any case, he's here on loan from one of the big three clubs historically over in Greece, P-A-O-K. He is a German modern player. He spent most of his career playing for uh, a second Bundesliga clubs. And uh, he also has three recent appearances with the Croatian national team. And then tied for number three on assists with this club is Andres Christensen. He is a Danish midfielder who uh, was once with a much better league, uh, albeit briefly. He played for former Serie A club Chievo Verona, made a few appearances for them. As far as the team's current form, they are 0-2-3 in their last five, which sounds pretty horrible. But when you convince, uh, when you understand that they're the big underdog in their Champions League division, you can understand that. They're actually 3-1-1 one one in their last five league matches. And then we have the visitors, AIK. They've got a cool nickname. I wish I could have found something on the history of it. They are known as the Gnaw with the silent G on the front. Uh, club rank, uh, just inside the top 200 for UEFA. And now here's where things are going to get a little bit fun. I like to do the food stuff, but here we're going to do something musical. I discovered that their entrance music for the entire team, when they come on the field, they've been doing it since 2002, is a Swedish lyric version. I won't try to say the title in Swedish, uh, but they changed all the lyrics of a song that was written by a British Kenyan folk artist called The Last Farewell. And uh, I'm going to have the management play uh, maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds of this just to give you a feel for what it is. Okay, now with that done, we'll talk a little bit about the footy. There's going to be another connection to that later on. Uh, the team has won 12 league titles, most recently 2018. Just two of them have been here in the 2000s. They have mostly have been to the Europa League, uh, this century anyway. Last year, they certainly didn't go anywhere. They only finished in ninth place. This year, seventh best offense is all, but the defense shines. Number one in the league, they allow less than one goal per match on average, tied for number three in overall goal differential. I think they're going to make the ECL. On the assist leaderboard is Sebastian Larson, 36 years old, their veteran midfielder. He came up with Arsenal, but uh, he didn't make any appearances for the senior team for three years, and I don't even know for sure that he made any appearances with youth or secondary teams there. In any case, he played uh, with various uh, championship-level English clubs before coming here. He's never really been a Premier League-level guy. But he's been on the national team here for Sweden, 133 caps he's earned since 2008. The team's current form, they're just 1-0-3, not doing the best. And the last five matches in a row, they've scored exactly one goal in each is all. But it is worth noting that the win that they got was a 1-0 win over Jurgarden. So the only reason they're still in the race, basically, is because they got that win, and they appear to have a very easy path after this match the entire rest of the way. So it's still shaping up to be a heck of a race. Now, before we move on to match number 10, just for fun, because we like to do things on this on this pod that don't get done anywhere else, I mentioned that that was a Swedish lyric ver version of the song, and it was written by a British Kenyan folk artist. The original title was called The Last Farewell. 
But if there's any chance that that song rang a bell or depending on your age might for your parents, I'm kind of in between on this. Uh, this was a song. I don't know how big of a hit it was that was covered by Elvis. And it sounds a lot different than the original. We haven't played that for you. We're not going to, but the arrangement is really, really similar. I wonder why on earth the gnaw of AIK are using a Swedish lyric version, basically of a cover song done by Elvis management. Go ahead and give us about 20 or 30 seconds of that. And then we'll take us into match number 10. number 10 we're done finally the final match of our official 10 that we track yes we still have our three super cool bonus matches as always is a thursday match and is the Concacaf champions league final the most important match every year in our region and it's two mexican clubs that have made the final this time monterey playing host to club de america now why do monterey get to play host well they didn't lose a single match for the entire tournament yet whereas america lost one, and they don't play it in a neutral site, Monterey earned home field advantage. That said, it is Club America that have had the advantage in recent years by a little bit. They've got a 13, 10, and 10 record recently. And they have yet to play each other, by the way, even though they're more than halfway through the current league stage. They haven't played each other yet this year, so it's going to be really exciting for that too. You can catch this on Fox Sports 1 at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's talk about Monterey first, playing host. They have won four league titles and have been the rising or perhaps risen power in the league because all four have been in the 2010s. Most recently, they won the Champions League in 2019. This year, they're just in sixth place in the Apertura stage currently. They've got a, a top four offense. I want to say that they've struggled because they're tied for ninth on defense, but they're only giving up one goal per match. I think things are just very compressed statistically in that particular regard. On the scoring leaderboard, we talk about, about him a lot, Rogelio Funes Mori. So we won't this time. He's actually tied with another teammate that we've never mentioned before, Juvan Berguera. He is a Colombian forward, 25 years old. Tied for number B in assists for Liga MX is Alfonso Gonzalez. He's a Mexican midfielder. And if you're uh, when you're watching this game, watch when Mexico isn't on the offense. You're going to see most of and all of the best crosses from the left side. That's where he traditionally uh, is the playmaker for them. And then tied for number B in event scoring for this tournament is Argentinian midfielder Maximiliano Meza. So he will be worth watching as well. As far as the team's current form, ugh, things aren't looking that great. They've lost four in a row and they've scored only three goals in those matches. And the, 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 the greatest club in North America, quite frankly, and in our region is Club de America, the Eagles. And they've got to just be salivating knowing the Monterey have been struggling. This is a team that's won the Champions League seven different times, twice in the 2010s. They won it most recently, 2018. They are leading the current uh, Liga MX stage uh, right now. 
they're tied for number B on offense in the league at exactly one and a half goals per match. Uh, second best defense as well, uh, just barely over one goal per match is all they allow. And that's good overall for the number one goal differential. They are just en fuego. On the scoring leaderboard for them is Alvaro Fidalgo. He is a Spanish attacking midfielder who actually used to uh, at least be on Madrid, Real Madrid's roster. That was in 2018. Didn't make any actual appearances for the team on the field, but he was over there a total of four years and uh, mostly played with their B team and did get to play quite a bit. And tied for number four in events scoring, another guy to look for, Federico Vinas. He is an Uruguayan forward, 23 years old, and he's made uh, 10 caps within just the last year for the national team's uh, under-23 side. So he is a real up-and-comer. It'd be interesting to see if he gets invited to one of the big clubs over in Europe in the somewhat near future. As far as the team's current form, just the opposite of Monterey. They have one four straight. They are unbeaten in their last six. They have only conceded two goals, and I don't care if they're playing this on Monterey or on the moon. I think you would be a fool to put, if you were going to put money on this, to not put it on the Eagles of Club de America. Now it's time for perhaps my favorite part of the show, the bonus matches. My favorite in part because you, the listener, have had a chance to help me decide on Twitter what the matches were going to be. How does that work? Well, you've got to know my handle. It's Soccer Noob USA. Early part of the week, Monday, Tuesday, I put up polls for the various candidate matches. You'll understand the criteria for those as we go through each of them. You vote. Magic content happens. It's a dreamy thing. And our first match is a first versus last place matchup from some top league in the world that we dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week. Weak, weak, weak. Yeah, apparently Persanoob at some point decided she didn't care for the management's actual echo sound effect, nor did she care for me trying to recreate one. I think Persanoob does the best job of it at all. You can just feel the drama in the production she is doing. In any case, the route of the week match that you've selected is a Sunday match from Guatemala's Liga Nacional, where they are in the Apertura stage. They are playing a double round robin for this stage, and they are over halfway through. By the way, this is rated, it's not one of your strongest leagues in CONCACAF, pretty average for Central America. Rated on kick algorithms, I believe, is the number nine league in the region. In any case, they get, uh, as a league, three CONCACAF leagues berths, and then I think that they get one team automatically relegated, and then one team that will have a chance to stay up if they can win something called a relegation playoff against a Division II team. At the very least, that's the way they did it last year. Your matchup, roadkill in waiting, number 12, Nueva Concepcion, taking on historical league powerhouse number one, Antigua, Guatemala. Now, uh, Nueva Concepcion only trail Guastatoya by one in the table right now. Uh, meanwhile, Antigua, they lead Santa Lucia, Guapa by five. And by the way, Antigua did win in their earlier match this season at home four to nil. Let's talk about, again, the roadkill in waiting first. We'll be rooting for him, though, because why not? Who doesn't love an underdog? Nueva Concepcion. They are known appropriately as 
The Foles, cute, founded in 1994. Uh, Nueva Concepcion is the name of the town. And I found it's in the south central part of the country. I found a couple con- seemingly conflicting things. I can't imagine there's a greater metro area, but I found one source that indicated it's just an oversized village of about 15,000. One that says it's a decent sized town of 75,000. In any case, they just got promoted to the top league for the first time this season. Congratulations. So far, it's looking like you're going right back down, but who knows? You've still got time. They are three, two, and nine on the year. They're actually, and it's amazing in a way that they've gotten five results because they've got the worst offense. They only average a goal every other match. Uh, worst defense allowing exactly one and a half per match and the worst goal differential by a factor of two. Ouch. Uh, average result basically is a one goal loss for them. Now, uh, who can they hang their hopes on? Perhaps uh, fellow on the scoring leaderboard for them, uh, their best, Igor Mesquita. He is a Brazilian attacker. As far as the team's recent form, they have lost three in a row. They're 0-1-4 in their last five, and they've only scored one goal over those last five matches. Ugh, not promising especially with Antigua, Guatemala coming to town. By the way, that is the actual full name of the town, means uh, ancient or classic Guatemala. It's in the kind of central, south-central part of the country. They've got maybe 50,000 people. Uh, If you've seen pictures of architecture in Guatemala, it's almost certainly been of Antigua. The Spanish Baroque architecture there is like no place else in Latin America, full of colonial churches, well-preserved. In fact, in recent years, it's been named a nest. The whole town has been named an an UNESCO World Heritage Site. As far as the footy, the team is known as uh, a variety of nicknames, the Colonials, uh, the Green Bellies, and the Avocado Eaters, which is a little interesting as opposed to just being the avocados, but either way, who doesn't enjoy those? And they uh, just returned to the top flight in 2014. They've kind of yo-yoed up and down every several years between the top flight and uh and, and sometimes a few years, sometimes a decade, but they've had to spend some time in the second division. But interestingly, in 2014, this is one of those countries where if you're not in the top flight and you want to be, if somebody's willing to sell it to you, you can buy their spot in the top flight. I assume this was a team that was uh, in a position to get promoted if they wanted to, Heredia Jaguares, but they didn't want to go up. And so they sold their spot in the top flight to Antigua. In any case, uh, since buying that, uh, they've made great use of it. Four league titles is what they've won historically. Most recent one was 2019 Clausura Stage, and all four of those titles have won since they purchased that top flight spot again in 2014. They made the uh, CONCACAF Champions League group stage in 2016-17, best they've ever done internationally. Last year, they finished just number seven overall in the Clausura stage. This year, though, number one on offense, scoring almost twice a game. Number one on defense, uh, they've almost got it to the point where they're only giving up a goal every other match. And their goal differential is twice as good as the second best team in the league. So sort of the mirror image of their opponents today in Nuevo Concepcion. Tied for number one in league scoring, they've got working for them is Pedro Baez. He's a Paraguayan attacker. If you're a fan of Real Salt Lake, yes, this is the same guy. Back in 2016, I think he made a few appearances for the major league soccer side i know at least he was on the roster pretty sure he probably made more of his actual appearances with the second team the reserves or uh, the real monarchs as they're known in the usl championship in any case the team's current form they are three one and zero in their last four and they've been getting results in both high and low scoring affairs they seem to be in top form and as i usually do i will predict a nil four win in favor of the favorites
Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. So meaningless that I, in fact, didn't even make a note on which day of the week it was going to be. What exactly is this match? It's two teams right smack dab in the middle of their standings, perfectly equidistant between the glory of earning some sort of international club tournament berth and the very bottom of their standings, the relegation zone, last place, where if they finished there, they would get most likely kicked out of their league down to a second division, perhaps never to be heard from again by the ears and eyes of civilized man. If eyes did hearing that almost made sense. In any case, the match you voted on on Twitter comes from the Pakistan premier league. This is not a strong league. So <laughs> league. So extra meaninglessness. They are tied with six others for last place in the entirety of the Asian football confederation rankings. Uh, if there's a possibility that they're good and maybe they just don't earn any points because they don't really go to many international competitions, but somehow I don't think so. This is a country that's just an a lot of trouble in footy ways in general. Uh, just this past spring, I want to say in March, uh, the Pakistan Football Federation main office got attacked by uh, the former president and presumably a, a bunch of his underlings. And so they've taken control of it. The Premier League was put off and then finally started much later than normal in August under the now old and sort of new again uh, president, but FIFA is not recognizing what on earth is going on over there. In any case, they are playing the Premier League season. 12 of the teams, I think there's normally something like 17, have chosen to participate and they're almost halfway through the double round Rosman that's going to comprise this farce of a season. And they're only playing the matches in all in one spot. All the teams in the entire league are uh, hanging out in a town or province called Multan. In any case, your matchup, I believe it was number six versus number seven when I scouted it. It is now number five versus number eight. Muslim versus PCAA. First, the club that is simply called Muslim. They normally play and are from a town called Shaman, C-H-A-M-A-N, which is right on the border with the Kandahar province in Afghan, uh, Afghanistan, just to give you an idea uh, geographically. Uh, the town isn't all that big. It's just the fifth biggest in the state that they're in, which is called uh, Baluchistan, uh, 125,000. The club was founded in 2010, got promoted the very next year. Best they've ever done was 2012-13. They finished number three. Uh, that same year, or no, not that same year, 2017, they had some success. They won something with that, with, to be honest, I'm unfamiliar with this, called the All-Pakistan Peace Tournament. My guess is that the Premier League didn't even happen. If the Premier League did get played that year, this team didn't participate in it. The last full season that got played was in 2018-19, and this team finished in 10th place. This year, statistically, 8th best offense is all, ninth best defense, ninth. Uh, best goal differential. It's amazing that they're all the way up at number five, to be honest. Uh, but they, they go for it or just fail madly. They are 5-0-3 oh, on the year. No draws. Their current form, it feels like this is a team without identity. Uh, they keep winning ev winning and losing every other match. They're 3-3 three and three in their last six. And whether they win or lose, uh, you could just you know flip a coin any given time, whether it's a high or a low scoring affair. <laughs> 
Now, PCAA, which, by the way, stands for Pakistan Civil Aviation Authority, uh, they play out of the capital of Lahore, which is in the province of uh, Punjab, which, yeah, that's the uh, region and province that are shared by Pakistan and India. The club is a very new one, just founded in 2017. They played and got promoted uh, the very next year. The only year that they got to play a Premier League season, 2018-19, the last completed one, they finished in seventh place. This year they are 3-2-4 and four on the year, and it's another case of how on earth are they even as high as they are. They've got the worst offense. They're not even scoring one goal per match, uh, eighth-best defense, eighth-best overall, eighth overall goal differential. I think both of these teams are going to slip as time goes on, to be honest. As for their current form, they are 0-1-3 in their last four, and they haven't scored a single goal in their last three matches. And at last, dearest new bites, if I may affectionately refer to you as such without it sounding too creepy, we have reached the end of our podcast road. The last, the third bonus match. It is not one where we celebrate teams like we have for most of the podcast, but rather we want to point and even waggle our fingers at two clubs that occupy the very last two positions in their league. They are worthy of your scorn and should be ostracized, but we will give them one last moment in the sun, even as we poke fun of them. This is the match of Disappointed! The one you voted on is a Saturday match. I even got some uh, comments about uh, why I should cover this one for Twitter. We'll get a little bit into that. Uh, it's a Saturday match and comes from the Welsh Premier League, or uh, what they call it, the Cymru uh, Premier League, the Welsh word for their nation. This is just the number 50th ranked league in all of Europe, to be perfectly honest, only a few be- uh, below them. Uh, they just jumped uh, Gibraltar's uh, top flight. And uh, the bottom two are going to get relegated, and so far it's going to look like these two. Your matchup is number 11, Haverford West, and that, yes, it, I say it that quickly because it is all one word, taking on very and distant last place, Kefin Druids, C-E-F-N, Kefin. Uh, Kefin have a uh, just one point on the season is all they've earned so far. Haverford have earned eight. I know that that puts them in the mix with several other teams. There's probably three others that are about as bad as them, and uh, one of them will have to be the odd club out and get relegated to, yes, there actually is a second division in Wales. We'll talk about Haverford West first. Uh, the name means Ford used by heifers. I suppose you can uh, – Put your own uh, armload of gal joke here. I'll leave that to you folks. Uh, it is a county town in the area called Pembrokeshire. And uh, one historian is called a medieval town surrounded by tin sheds. It's not that big a town, but it's got a lot of reasonably well-preserved medieval buildings, but they haven't been cared for quite as much of late. But as the town builds up a little bit, they're not integrating with uh, the main town. They're uh, building all of their more modern buildings kind of around it. And if you are a movie fan, there is a chance that there's a reason that this town's name rings a bell for you. Actor Christian Bale was born here. And musically, I also learned that Graham McPherson, although his stage name was Suggs, the lead singer of a band that was more popular in like the uh, 80s called Madness, Our House in the Middle of Our Street. Yeah, that's the voice of Graham McPherson. He was uh, schooled in Haverford West. As far as the team, they were promoted back to the Premier League in 2015. They'd been away for a while. Their best Premier League finish was... Uh, Number three, they got third place in the 2003-2004 season. Uh, 
And then they went on to what I believe was their only Europa League appearance, and they lost to some Icelandic team. Didn't do very well. Last year, they finished in ninth place. This year, number eight offense, number 10 defense, and number 10 goal differential. I think there's about a coin flip chance this is going to be one of the two teams that is in that last relegation spot, to be perfectly honest. They do have one man that they can count on for a little bit of competency anyway. Number five, league-leading scorer Ben Fawcett. He is an attacker with five goals. And then this is the guy who I was told to mention by a couple of uh, uh, USMNT followers or USA fans in general on Twitter. And I think they just wanted to hear me try to say the name, to be perfectly honest. He uh, has dual citizenship. Uh, Poland and USA, a goalkeeper named Wojciech Gaida. And I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to put an, an emphasis. I think the last name, the emphasis is equal on both syllables, and I just can't do it. But it's spelled because it's Polish much differently than that. Be proud of your old pal noob for even giving it a go, okay? This guy was last with a Polish Division II club. He just, I believe he played here last year, and then he just re-signed in May to stay through the end of the season. I think this is, yeah, the second season with Han Haverford. But the reason these guys were mentioning me to him was because at one point they were pretty high on him. I'm not sure he had any like USMNT youth experience, but he was a known quantity as he came up through the New York Red Bulls Academy. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three with a 6-3 and three goal differential. So a little bit of hope that they will uh, be exuding something other than disappointedness before too long. And now the team that defines match of disappointed, Kevin Maurer. Last year they finished in 10th place. They should be in the second division of uh, Welsh football right now, but because of COVID, they decided not to do relegation. So we get to put up with these sad Zach bottom feeders one more time, and they are awful. And it's too bad because they do have something of a storied history. I believe historically they've won the FA Cup eight times. And the man who is credited with the founding of the Football Association in Wales, Llewellyn Kendrick, actually also founded this team. I'm sure he's rolling over in his grave right now. In any case, uh, the team has made two Europa League appearances before. Uh, 2018-19, they actually made it. They lost in the preliminary round, though, uh, to a team called uh, Riterii out of Lithuania. Uh, 2017-18, as far as uh, 2017-18, they finished in fifth place. That was their best league finish. Again, last year, they finished in 12th. I think I said 10th earlier, but no, Kevin Maurer is a town of 10,000. 12th place is last place, but they didn't get relegated. <laughs> Maybe my own broadcast here for this particular one has a little disappointedness to it as well. Tied for worst offense, only scoring one goal every other match. Worst defense by miles, giving up almost three goals per match. And the worst goal differential by a factor of three. Just absolutely woof. That's the only that sound is the only thing that comes to mind. Uh, the team leading score is Ben Wynn. Uh, how has he come across this great title of team leading score? Because he's actually managed the feat twice. Nobody else on the team has yet. He's an English attacker. As far as their current form, uh, they've only gotten one draw on the season. That was their one point, and that was two matches ago. Now, normally we would like to uh, wish teams good luck, but with the match of Disappointed, we do not. We instead, stand, instead send them off in our typical team noob fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo! 
And that's a wrap on episode 54 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America. We hope you've enjoyed it. Some folks I'd like to thank the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, my former old website, Interno Inferno, for all his efforts and creative inspiration. And, of course, to my daughter, Person Noob, nine years old and yet the star of the show. Love doing this with you. Thank you so much, honey. And to you, listeners, I know you've got countless choices out there for your soccer podcasts. We've truly endeavored to try to to make something really unique, original, and fun. Oddly fun at times, I know. But you know what? With a lot of unique information that I don't think you're going to find in any other podcast, quite frankly. So please take a moment if you have it sometime this week and mention it to the footy fan or burgeoning footy fan in your life. Until next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care. 